Hi, everyone. It's Tim from Record Time. Remember us? <laughs> We've had a little bit of trouble coordinating our schedules over the last few weeks, trying to get together for our Gets Gilberto uh, episode. And so we thought we would knock out a uh, mini-episode, another of the mini-episodes. Those who have been uh, long-time subscribers will recall that mini-episodes are something we do uh, in order to try and keep the feed full. Uh, Rather than getting together to discuss a whole album, Peter will send me a song or I will send him a song. And we'll just kind of have our own perspectives uh, and present them to you one at a time. Uh, This time around, we are uh, listening to a familiar song, but uh, probably an unfamiliar version of it. Send in the Clowns has been a major hit for several prominent artists. Uh, Anybody near my age probably knows the song pretty well by one of several uh, luminary singers. Uh, this version is less well known, I would wager. It's by Lorenz, uh, excuse, excuse me, Lorez Alexandria. And um, that is a big part of our reaction to it. You can hear it in the background right now, uh, enough at least for fair play use. And so what we'll do is uh, get a little bit of an impression from Peter. He called in with his reaction to the song, and then I'll return and give you mine. So without further ado, let me reintroduce you to your long-lost friend, Peter. Hey, Tim. It's Pete. And I am calling to talk to you about Lorette Alexandria's cover of Send in the Clown. And it's very intriguing that you should do this song, uh, because I'm a huge Sondheim junkie. I love this song. I want to get into... A little bit about what this song means to me, but I want to do it in the context of this interpretation of the song, because I don't want to, I feel like it's worthwhile to separate the two things, partially because it's interesting. So I'll try to keep this brief. (laughs) Um, But anyway, I wanted to also mention that it took me a couple listens to to get this, because the first time through, I have such a strong association with the song and with Stephen Sondheim, the composer that I had a level of distance from it that I couldn't quite take it in in its full essence the first time. So anyone else who may feel that way after one time listening to Lores Alexandria's cover of Sending the Clowns, give it another go. Um, especially if you love jazz and interpretation, because it is a really astounding interpretation. It floats like a butterfly and it stings like a bee. It's got a wonderful feel. Uh, the arrangement is incredible. Her vocal delivery is fabulous. It is an incredible interpretation of a song, of a composed piece of music. Where the solo comes in over the bridge, the reinstatement of the bridge that happens, and that ends up being the instrumental section, oof, so good. And then they come back and they drop the arrangement back down, and it's back to that sort of simmering groove, and she comes back in with the last verse. Amazing. Awesome. I'm thrilled to be listening to this in the context of Gets Gilberto, which we'll be talking about soon, because this is on this is a similar level of musicianship that I just love so much. This these musicians playing together, the incredible dynamics, a wonderful singer that knows how to work with the band and they know how to work with her and they're listening to each other. Oh, what it creates is incredible. 
so with that being said, there is another side to my feeling about this song. Being a cover um, and being used in this way. And basically, I should start optimistically and say, like, if this cover of this song, Set in the Clowns, gets you, encourages you to go listen to some of the other versions, uh, go do that. Because it's a beautiful composition. Um, and it's a composition that's meant to be acted. It's meant to be performed. And the lyrics and the music go together in such a powerful way. Um, the different melodic choices, harmonic choices, texture choices change as the mood of... Okay, this is part two. <laughs> Couldn't keep it brief, could I? The This composition is special. Um, and Sondheim is, is a special composer. And I feel like this is a beautiful interpretation of this piece, but I feel like it becomes something completely different than what one of a core part of what I love about this song. And I think that's the part that I struggle with with this. Like, great, it's an it's it's a dynamo, um, yeah, explosive interpretation, and is wonderful to listen to. Please savor it. But at the same time, it just makes me also yearn for that the way that Sound of the Clowns is written and performed typically that brings across a whole other richness to it that I don't feel like is even um, evident in the, what is it, the Judy Collins version of it or the one that's most popular. Uh, and it's, you know, it's kind of funny because we'll get into this and get Gilberto again. Um, I feel like it's sort of known for being schmalty and deserves a second chance. I mean, she's awesome. Anyway, it's a pleasure to talk about the song. It's a great choice. Um, it, it deserves multiple listens, and I would agree with Tim that this compilation is in general, in general worth listening to uh, and awesome from a jazz perspective. Can't wait to meet again to talk about Gets Gilberto. Bye. Thanks, Peter. Always so fun uh, to hear uh, the impressions and uh, the reactions. Um, I just love doing this show with Peter. Um, so I I met this song uh, as a young, young boy. Uh, I have really clear memories of, of hearing my parents listening to the Judy Collins version or maybe the Barbra Streisand version, um, but I think it was Judy Collins' Uh, that they had played a lot, perhaps even Frank Sinatra. But I definitely remember a, a, a female voice, so it was one of the two. And I remember as a young kid being very intrigued by the song because it was about clowns um, and not really understanding why it sounded so sad. Like, it seemed like it should be a really fun moment <laughs> right before the clowns come in. But uh, it did not sound that way. Um, so I, I really kind of bumped on this song as a kid, and I wanted to hear it a lot, probably more than my parents wanted to play it. Um, and yeah, I, I, I actually had no idea that it was a Sondheim song. Uh, I am a Sondheim fan, not to the level that Peter is, but certainly a big fan. And... Um, 
admirer uh, and certainly enjoy his musicals, but I had no concept that this was a Sondheim song or, or even that it was from a musical of any kind. And I was very intrigued um, to find out that this song was written for a character uh, that was created for the actress uh, Glynis Johns, who uh, most people probably know as Mrs. Banks uh, from Mary Poppins. That is certainly uh, her claim to fame in this household with a four-year-old boy who cannot get enough Mary Poppins. Um, Her version of this song, which I'm not sure if Peter has dived into, um, is not terribly inspiring, though obviously it's the original. I mean, it's how this song uh, met the world. Um, I would take it last among the various versions that I've found, and I would take this version um, probably first after re-listening to stuff, and I'll I'll get to why. Um, I encountered this version of the song uh, through a, a radio station that my family and I tend to listen to on Saturday mornings, part of our sort of Saturday morning routine is to tune in to luxuriamusic.com, which is a pretty unique streaming station that I wholeheartedly endorse. We've talked about Radio Paradise on the show before, but Luxuria Music is as important to me as Radio Paradise. And um, this version made its way to me, and I must have heard it a dozen times before I just decided to go look it up and actually give it a listen outside of that context. And it really inspired me to dig into the old versions of the song, look at the lyrics for the first time in my life, rather than just sort of vaguely wondering about this beautiful melody and strange song about clowns. And I'm so, so glad that I did. Um, I'm so glad that I found the rest of the compilation that this is off of, which, as Peter mentioned, is a very worthwhile uh, record entitled What is Wrong with Groovin'? Um... I would say probably nothing is wrong with what is wrong with Groovin, and you should give it a, a good listen. Um, but this uh, this song, um, to me, certainly does not have the sort of timelessness or the grandeur of um, the more traditional vocals by Judy Collins or Barbara Streisand or Frank Sinatra, but... Something about all of the, the the horns and the rhythms that are so out of place, really, with with in, in sort of contrast to these lyrics and this melody, kind of puts the guts of the tune and and the the guts of the story of the song in very high relief for me. And to me, they really point back to the earlier versions of the song, and I think actually celebrate those versions in a really unique way. It kind of pays them homage. And um, I just admire that so much about this song. So uh, it is a wonderful uh, segue, this track, to Getz Gilberto. It is uh, filled with, this track is filled with some of the very same Brazilian rhythms and and sort of celebratory feel. I love the uh, samba, the bossa nova music that we will be um, sort of taking on in our next episode. And we can't wait to bring it to you. So stay tuned to the feed, and thank you all uh, very much for being a part of this. Take some time on Saturday morning, pour yourself a nice uh, nice cup of coffee, and 
Uh, either turn on uh, Lorez Alexandria or What Is Wrong With Groovin or Get Gilberto um, or LuxuriaMusic.com and uh, get ready because our episode is coming. Swear to God. Thanks as always from Pete and Tim. I'm Tim and this is Record Time mini episode number two.